Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to the pregame. That's right. It's a new thing. Welcome. Join the party. Season two. I feel like I'm starting a hip-hop album. <laughs> ja! Fan, 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 Desert Storm! Oh, no. Oh, no! <laughs> what a bad beginning. <laughs> it's one of my call-outs. Julia, what would you, uh, what would you call out? Oh, Julia's here! Oh, Julia! Hello! Hello! Hey, what's up? It's me. Brandon's also here. I'm back! Oh. Oh, jeez. Like Space Jam. Oh, snap. Allegedly. Oh, nearly. No, explain that. Uh, Space Jam was a movie from a long time ago Good. in the 90s, and now it's supposed to be coming back, but you're, we're not sure if it's coming back. So just like my energy level, it's hit or miss. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, you may get the sense that this is the Join the Party you remember and love, uh, but also with some new things, because we're starting a new campaign, and we are so excited about it. But... Just like how we try to teach folks how to play D&D and how to make great podcasts as our broader kind of multitude project, um, we wanted to document as much as we can the experience of starting a campaign. What is it like to decide where you are going to play in like space, time, and fiction? Uh, how do you decide what you're going to be? How do you put together a balanced party? So we are going to be recording all of those things, and we're calling it the pregame. It's the pregame. You ask your friends if your outfit looks good. You have like one drink, but not too many. You all take a shot as you walk out the door. You play your chill playlist, but not like your party playlist. So like much less R&B or more R&B. I don't know what your pregames look like. Eric, thank you for giving me the opportunity to be able to experience a thing I did not get to in college. There it is. <laughs> You're not alone, Brandon. You're not alone. <laughs> yeah, no, I was working. Oh, yeah, I'm the weird one because I ha- went to parties in college. Went to yeah, parties in college Eric. and now host D&D podcasts? Yeah, like a cool kid, <laughs> mm-hmm. Julia. Mm-hmm. I don't like that Julia's here. Can we find oh, a no. new one? I'll leave then. Okay. No. Excuse me. Well, while Julia leaves the studio, I'm going to introduce what these pregame episodes are going to look like. So this first one, we're going to talk about the world and the characters. Uh, I have a sheet that I put together of initial ideas of kind of what the genre, what the setting, what the uh, plot could look like, and we're all going to talk about it and really chew through it, and then figure out what the characters that you're going to play, how they might fit in there, and how they will walk through the world. Then in the second episode, we're going to get into the D&D stuff. So the three players are each going to bring classes and subclasses that they might want to play as we put together the party construction of the what we're going to play together. And then I'm going to talk about what the podcast is going to look like. We'll discuss together the release schedule, the format of the episodes, and really get into it. But I'm sure we have told you this information already. We're recording this in December because we're cool kids who like playing Dungeons & Dragons now, just so you know. It's my holiday present from Eric. Your present? (laughs) My present! But uh, we're all going to talk about it, and we're going to start that here. So, Eric, it's not always how campaigns come together, right? Like, sometimes you show up and your DM surprises you. Sometimes Mm -hmm. people start with, like, a character that they are burning to play and then with their DM build a campaign around it. For everybody here, how have the campaigns that you've been in started? Have you done this kind of progression where together you decide the world, then the kind of party, and then the character specifically? Um, In my non-podcasting DM experience, I was given like this is what the world is going to be this is like the kind of the campaign that we're going to be running and then I kind of created a character based on what I knew the structure of the campaign was going to be right yeah mine have been mostly like hey build a character and then come and we'll have snacks and I'll tell you about it for my DMing 
my my small amount of demon I've done have all been for newbies, I think. So I think I walked them through the character making process, which mm. was a journey. And then uh, did like a pre-written campaign and just sort of walked them through it that way. And they sort of discover the characters as we go. Yeah. And Eric, I'm sure in DMing internet, there's tons of different approaches. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because I spent a lot of time lurking and researching on our D&D, the Reddit, the subreddit for D&D. And like whenever someone has a problem, it's like this player is like putting all this gross shit in my campaign or like my DM doesn't care about my character. It was like, hey, have you guys like talked to each other? And they're like, no, I forgot about that. <laughs> As in all of life, communication is the yeah. answer. Just talk to each other. So, but there are a lot of questions to be like, hey, I don't really like what my DM's doing. It's like, well, you guys should have done a session zero, mm. which is really what this pregame is, is that you are talking about the game, the game you want to play so that everyone is on the same page. Even just like, hey, how grim dark do you want this to be? How silly do you want this to be? Do you want this to be puzzle focused? Do you want it to be combat focused? Do you, you want monsters? What are things that you don't want to talk about? And just like getting that out of the way is important. But like we're taking that a step further, how this story is going to be a little bit more collaborative. When we did season one of Join the Party, I was just like, okay, I'll go come up with the world. Let's let's have a podcast. <laughs> and like I did talk to everybody about their characters to start with, but I wanted uh, everyone's buy-in. And like, yeah, this is the idea that I'm excited about, which you'll see in a second. And I did a lot of the preliminary work, but I do want everyone to like tell me what they want to do and what's good. And I think that we can figure that out together. I think it's also important to realize, even though we're going to talk about this in greater detail next episode, that we are making a D&D podcast. So the, deciding the world that we want to play in it's on the join the party feed. Like, unlike the first episode, this is a world and a feeling that people understand. So, as we're determining our worlds, like, what is in all of our minds as to like what makes a join the party campaign and join the party setting? Uh, I think there being space for humor and fun definitely needs to be in there. I think regardless of what we were doing, when we were doing like the quasi fantasy stuff, I called it pop culture fantasy. It's like, yeah, if you can figure out how to make it in like in fantasy world, like it can fit in Game of Thrones, do it. But I think that what we're going to do here, I think there will be some space for jokes. Actually, I think it's going to be easier to make jokes about it. Mm. It's important to me that we do something in an existing genre, but in a new way, where similarly, like you were saying, for sort of like the high fantasy, like traditional kind of like night, you know, D&D setting, uh, we did that, but there were differences. Like there wasn't homophobia and there were opportunities to have like interesting kind of pop cultural things. People had all kinds of professions. It wasn't like limited by the existence of like no electricity or only magic to run stuff. Um, and we could kind of like play and pick and choose the parts that interested us the most. So as we talk about a more contemporary setting, that is important to me, where it's something Something that, you know, we understand the genre. We've all like read and watched and, you know, played video games in all these different kinds of genres. And we can talk intelligently, not just kind of inherit from a existing genre all the things that other people have done before, but to ask ourselves, like, what parts do we want to keep? Which do we want to introduce, you know, new things about or change uh, and really ask ourselves why? Well, Amanda did just say it, but yes, we are going to do a modern times campaign. It, it was a little oh. tease. A little tease. <laughs> a little tease. aperitif. It's like, oh, wait, did she say contemporary? <laughs> now I'm saying it. Oh, man, we're not doing a grim, dark Game of Thrones fantasy where yeah. it takes like five days to travel from city to city. There's low magic. It's Julia, all you travel. you name of the wind anytime you need to. Oh, no, please. <laughs> no food. You have to hunt for your own food. Yeah. If you don't sleep more than eight hours a day, you die because... <laughs> 
<laughs> survival check, survival check, survival check. Too much like real life, Eric. I'm taking all of my stats from the Mayo Clinic, mm-hmm. but it doesn't make sense because it's 1340. <laughs> I think for me also as well, like going off what both of you said, like the sort of combination of the two is that like the foundation for JTP for me is about inclusivity and welcomeness and the fact that when you walk away from an episode, yes, it may be emotional, but you walk away feeling good about what you listen to. There's no... It can be challenging, but challenging in a way that's uplifting and ultimately a joyful experience for everyone involved, including listeners and players. Kind of jumping off that, I think the important part is, you know, this is a campaign and we're having fun as friends. And when we have fun as friends, it's also fun for the audience who is therefore listening. So I think when it comes down to it, inclusivity and, you know, making sure that people are being introduced to a thing that they know and love but seeing a different twist on it those are all super important things and that's what makes playing D&D with your friends fun sounds good let's do that do it oh, Ooh, oh, typing. Eric's typing very quickly no spaces I was hacking in the mainframe mm-hmm. I'm sorry so I think that the best way to jump into this is to talk about uh, the genre and time setting as we said this is going to be con- a contemporary campaign, a modern campaign, a 2020s something. I, I like to think that we start somewhere in 2020, which is weird because it does sound like the future, it does. which is wild. But it is, as this episode is being released, 2020, baby. Oof. I oh, do not like that. So that just weird. hit me real hard. Yeah. Hold on, Brandon needs to sit in a room and sing Mad World to himself for a second. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so I definitely want to start there. Uh, the genre that I want to work in, I think that I want to do something powered, like not superhero necessarily but i think that we're kind of like in the post mcu phase like we're kind of getting all of that out of our system in the back half of 2019 by which you mean like traditional kind of superhero narratives yes uh and we can talk about other things that explore people who have superhuman abilities but it does not necessarily mean that you need to put on tights i think that's really where i'm coming at this because dnd in the game Like, your heroes, the fact that you level up means that you are better, like, physically and spiritually and powerfully better than common folk. Like, if you have an NPC or just a dude, they are supposed to be level zero. And you're, because of the fact that you have powers, that makes you different. And I feel like that is something that fits with a superhero genre. I was talking about this before, and I was like, what if we did, like, a modern campaign? What if we did something where you had to do the stuff that you are doing now because I think that the current climate in which we are creating art TM 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 is praxis. like did you just TM art <laughs> yeah <Praxis. Yes. laughs> fucking love praxis <laughs> is like let's strip away some of the layers like we don't have to be that metaphorical mm-hmm. I think that we are changing our world because it is powered now but existing in a city and exploring what it means to be in a contemporary society is very interesting to me right now. Yeah, and that was something just to kind of catch everybody up on where we're coming in this conversation as Brandon, Eric, and I were talking about closing out season one of Join the Party and thinking about what would happen after that. We raised the idea, like, if we did a new campaign, where would we want to kind of set it? What kind of campaign? Um, And all of us were like, we'd be really excited to do something contemporary. Like, that sounds really cool. It's not something we've heard a lot of, not something that we've played. So, like, yes, totally, let's do it. Someone's like, don't want to do superheroes. We're all like, yeah, true. And... We asked Julia and she was like, dope. So here we all are. And that's kind of the the preliminary conversation we've had so far. I would also say a modern campaign powered by Dungeons and Dragons. Exactly. Yeah. We considered, talked about it, but we 
all like D&D. It's D&D podcast. We love being able to teach folks how to play the game because we think it's a, a really good start to playing RPGs and tabletop games more generally. So we wanted to stick with that. Also, I, I don't want to learn more systems right now. And I think there's a certain kind of like empowering challenge to adapting classical fantasy D&D to a modern setting yeah. and mm-hmm. figuring out how certain classes would work in a modern setting. And I just really like it. That's why we're doing a whole episode about it's it. so much Yay. fun. Scree! That's yeah, my excited I mean, scream. Also, if you play D anD D in a modern setting, like something has to be different. You, I mean, I guess you could use D anD D mechanics to like negotiate everyday life, but that sounds too much like what I do every day, and <laughs> don't want to do it in fantasy. <laughs> every time a man just filling out a tax form, she just I see her rolling a d twenty. It's very terrifying, <laughs> <laughs> and that determines what numbers she puts on all of the tax forms. Oh no, <laughs> don't tell anyone. <laughs> At the beginning of every day, she has a blades in the dark circle pie <laughs> mm-hmm, for getting mm-hmm. things done, and then another one for bullshit, and she has to fill in hers before she fills. <laughs> in the other one. That is a deep cut just for me. So (laughs) when we're talking about genre, I said before that I was very inspired by uh, magic realism because I personally love reading that stuff. I do have family from Argentina, so I'm very inspired by the the, uh, Latin American, South American work of Gabriel Garcia Marquez and all that stuff. Uh, A really big story for me that I really like is A Very Old Man with Enormous Wings. This is the short story that is very popular from Gabriel Garcia Marquez. It's basically like an angel falls into a chicken coop and then like the town needs to deal with it. And the way that they do it is they turn him into a sideshow. But of course they don't know if he's an angel. He's just an old man with wings. I, I always like the idea that something magical would drop it in there. Yeah, such a perfect kind of metaphor for magic realism as a, a genre. Like an incredible thing is in suddenly right next to a completely ordinary thing. And then like society as we know, it sort of has to deal with it. And I think the the moving forward of that, like moving from that uh, South American tradition into the larger like everything that is powered and different sort of thing is uh, slipstream fiction, mm-hmm. which uh, Julia told me. And I'm like, oh, this means everything that I want. Yes. And basically, it's just like everything about sci-fi and fantasy, everything from like The Magicians mm-hmm. by Lev Grossman to like Karen Russell's like weird short stories and Swamplandia. Like there's everything in between where something is strange or different. And I think it really encapsulates everything that we're doing here that you need to reckon with the modern world, but there are different things happening. Yeah. yeah. It's Jeff Vandermeer. It's The Subtle Knife. There's so many things that mm-hmm. kind of fall in the genre. It's my favorite. Absolutely. Some uh, inspiration points for me. Uh, the new Watchmen series. Oh, my God. I watched a man and I watched all of them in one day. Yep. We watched six and then we watched episode seven, which just came out. Other jumping out points, obviously, X-Men as the powered thing and also about the difference between powered people and unpowered people really as allegories for all isms that exist. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting making a D&D podcast three years ago and now because before the only thing we had to compare it to was a not finished balance campaign of the Adventure Zone and now we have so many other good contemporaries out there like things to shoot for so I felt very inspired by the Dimension 20 game Unsleeping City that is a very urban fantasy so we're it's not going to be the same like at all not going to have trolls not going to have we not going to have trolls not going to have Monster Santa oh but I liked Monster Santa but what about the Golem Willie who lives in Williamsburg he might up here, honestly, I thought that was very funny. Brendan <laughs> Lee Mulligan, if you want to talk to me about your Jewish accent, we could talk about that. But other than that, very good. 
So, Eric, what about that do you want to kind of move beyond or, like, not include in this campaign? I guess I'm trying to look at this through the prism of comics because comics can move in so many different genre directions. So it's like monsters can exist Mm -hmm. and monsters can come from other dimensions, I guess, but they're, like, they have their reasons and they have their own society in a different place. But it's like... I don't want there to be like an umbral arcana that's lurking under our city. Like the magic needs to come kind of like the way that Doctor Strange is magical or like someone who can shoot fire out of their hands is magical. Like the power itself is like I can change time. I can shoot flames. I can be super strong. But like the origin and the reason can be supernatural. It can be magical. It can be like from space. Biochemical. Biochemical. Like you need your origin story is accordingly and i think we're going to get into that it's like why do our heroes have powers who has powers as compared to other people who knows about it and also we i I will have some jumping off points about how your characters relate to their powers and who knows about it man i think we're at a doritos oh shit all right i have to go to the kitchen one second hey it's eric do you have a favorite pair of shoes maybe it's dress shoes that you only break out for special occasions or a pair of sneakers that you've worn every day for like two, three years that's almost has a hole in it, but not yet. Or maybe, like me, you have a pair of boots that you bought with your first paycheck ever and you only break out for really, really special occasions. Well, think about the last time that you put them on. Remember how you felt. Remember how cool it sounded as you walked down a hallway. Remember how secure you were with your own steps. This is that moment when you're confident that you can go anywhere. Welcome to the mid-roll. Your shoe is untied. Don't trip. Thank you to everyone who has joined our Patreon. Jace, Emma, Thogi, Victoria, Krista, Lux, Felix, Fabian, Kelly, Alex, Rory, Ella, Joshua, Megan, and Matthew. You are just in time to try my famous buffalo chicken dip. It's in the kitchen. There's never been a better time to join our Patreon because we are releasing more content than ever, which means it was time to switch over to a monthly Patreon instead of charging per episode. So that means it's easier than ever to sign up for a tier and know exactly what you're getting and how much you're going to be charged and all that good stuff. So you can join the Discord, get your name entered into the pool of possible NPC names, or get a physical box of fun RPG stuff, not to mention enjoy two and a half years worth of bonus content from the party campaign. Amanda and I went through all of the NPC stories from before. I was like, I wrote some pretty fun ones, I think. There are some PowerPoint slides. I like that. So join the Patreon party now. See, get it? It's a party because we're joining the party. At patreon.com slash join the party pod. And if that wasn't enough multitude for you, we have another show for you to listen to. Head Heart Gut is our weekly friendly debate show where all of your favorite multitude people decide the best of three things. This month, we are finally deciding, once and for all, which is the best Fast and Furious movie, and no, it is not Tokyo Drift. (laughs) I can't wait to prove to Julie and Amanda that Fast 7 reigns supremely, and you can just tweet at me and tell me that I'm right already. So, join for just $5 a month at Multicrew.club to get Head Heart Gut, a postcard from me, and a whole wide world of other stuff from Multitude. Now... Everyone knows that Dungeons & Dragons is all about storytelling, it's all about feelings, but did you know that there's also some math involved? It's also about problem solving and optimizing your stats. 
Playing the game teaches you skills like how to solve new and unfamiliar problems with critical reasoning. And our newest sponsor, Brilliant, is also there to give you a toolkit and a framework to work through novel problems. They offer a wide range of content, including interactive courses on topics from scientific thinking to math fundamentals, from programming with Python to machine learning, including probability courses involving dice, just like Dungeons & Dragons. And they know, like any good DM does, that you can develop skills and intuition by problem solving. Effective learning is active learning, and Brilliant lets you master concepts by solving fun, interactive problems for yourself. So flex your adventurer brain by going to brilliant.org slash join the party and sign up for free. And also, the first 200 people that go to that link will get 20% off the annual premium subscription, so go now. That is Brilliant, like the word that also means smart, .org slash join the party and get 20% off the annual premium subscription. We are also sponsored this week by Lily CBD, which makes high quality CBD products to help people deal with insomnia, pain, and stress. They also provide great educational resources on their website, as well as a phone line you can call to ask questions and figure out what product works best for you. They also donate 5% of all their sales to organizations focused on social injustice and mental health, including The Last Prisoner Project. And that's very cool. To get 10% off your first purchase, go to lilycbd.com and use code JOINTHEPARTY. All one word. And finally, we are sponsored this week and every week by 20-sided store in Brooklyn, New York. And I've been waiting for weeks to tell you how into masks I am. For those of you who don't know, masks is a very good game. You play as a teenaged or young adult superhero, and it is probably the best way that the form of the game has followed the function. Because it's a powered by the apocalypse system, so you use playbooks, so you get like things you can do, but your superpowers aren't necessarily like actions. So you know in Dungeons and Dragons, everything you do is an action. But like if you were a super strength hero, then like throwing someone 30 feet across a park would not be in action. It's just like a thing you can do. Also, it focuses a lot more on the emotional toll of superhero stuff, which is my favorite part of superhero media, uh, especially because you're a teenager or a young adult and you have lots of that. In my game that I'm playing with Amanda and our friends from Tabletop Potluck, I'm playing a social media star named Wyvern who has dragon wings and he's famous for ripping off his persona from like a fantasy series and it's very fun and I'm having a lot of fun. So you can go get the mask book or any other RPG book at 20 Sided Store in Brooklyn, New York. And you can also use Join the Party All One Word for 20% off in store and online. So go get masks. It's very good. All right. We are going to see you next week. Yes, just one week from now with the second of our four world building episodes. Then on April 7th, the new story begins with episode one. Ah, I can't wait. All right. Let's get back to the world building. Julia, here are your Doritos. Thank you. It's a it's a it's a bowl with both Cool Ranch and the regular kind bisected by a little divider. Oh my god, the divider was so important. I was about to get very Don't upset. Don't worry, Brandon. You cannot cross contaminate. I thought about saying divider first, but then I wanted to have that little moment of of tension and then relieve your tension. Right. Eric, can I DM now? No. <laughs> Amanda, your D D campaign would be like so. Your garden's looking a little overgrown. <gasps> no, man, it's Stardew Valley, basically. That's my that's <laughs> exactly. my DSE I would want to play that so bad. <laughs> I need to roll so many nature checks. Yeah, don't overwater it. That's the only risk in this campaign. This. <laughs>
All right, back back to the pregame. Nice. All right, let's talk about the inciting incident and how people relate to their powers. So I have three different examples of how people can get powers. One is the X Men route is like it just happens, and then you're a very small part of society, and then everyone else is like, "Wow, look at those people with powers! They are good or they are bad." So it's a very small minority, and then the majority makes judgments about them. Uh, we can have the My Hero Academia route uh, because <laughs> Joy and I are fucking big old anime nerds. <laughs> is that everyone in the world knows? A larger minority or a majority, honestly, of people have powers and it's just kind of like a thing and society works around it. Maybe there is a structure around superheroism as a job or there is a structure about like the police force or the military force has these people. It is integrated into society and like that has problems, but it is happening. Or we have the Spider-Man route, the traditional superhero thing, is that, like, there was an inciting incident. Some people have it, or some people have it for different reasons. Some people know, most don't, but it is integrated into society as, like, a special thing. So I would say, what interests you the most? I'm always intrigued by what I will call the the static shock uh, option, which yeah. is the, the last one that you listed, where it's, like, an inciting incident creates people in a certain area with superpowers and while people are aware of it who is actually affected you know either is or is not known so i, I kind of like the idea of it being like a neighborhood that everyone in that neighborhood or a decent population in that neighborhood got powers and people know about that but it's not like a thing that is affecting everyone across the world or across the country or even across the entire city yeah me too i really love the idea of like being at the beginning of something and seeing how the world reacts to a thing that is new to the world. And I definitely see a place for stuff where there is like an architecture of superheroism. Like My Hero Academia is like a really interesting world to me, but I would rather be in a place where maybe we don't have to kind of Spider-Man style, like roll deception to see if like our babysitter believes that we are like going out to study and not to like save a school bus. But I do want some kind of middle where, like, it's not a immediate threat of, like, I must hide some Superman identity from my neighbors, but the world doesn't really know how to deal with this. Maybe the neighborhood's been dealing with it for a little bit, and it's not, like, a thing that's day-to-day, but we aren't, like, seeing headlines or we're not seeing, like, legislation impacting this thing yet. Mm-hmm. Also, the difference between the X-Men route is the Spider-Man route. Most X-Men don't cover their face. Mm-hmm. I just realized that. That's, like, not a thing, so it's, like... You don't have you have a code name, but you're not like have a secret identity. Spider-Man, when you might need to lie to somebody is because you have a secret identity. And like that might be a function of superheroism and what we talk about. But maybe it's like, do you cover your face? Does not matter? And why? Yeah, I also think it's interesting. Like, I think there's might be an idea of sort of like if it's one generation removed, then the world has had enough time mm. to sort of mm. like, yeah, not forget about the incident. Like the incident, it's still like lingering effects of. But um it's like new on a different time scale. Yeah. yeah. And there I think there might be something interesting in, in what Julie was talking about is sort of like some people have powers and everyone knows that some people have powers, but like it's enough of a washed away that like we're not quite sure who has powers. It's also the complexities of humanity who are like, yeah, there might be like Eric, you suggested a celebrity who is the best swimmer of all time because they decided to be public with their powers. Some people hide their powers because they're ashamed of it or don't understand them or whatever it is. But I think like that also interfaces interestingly with the political realities of it of like maybe the government is interested in like harnessing something like this but it might be political suicide to actually like 
enact a draft to get everyone on board or whatever it is. So like really interfacing with the humanity of it um, is interesting to me. Another thing we need to talk about is like, do we want there to be no powers and then there are powers? Because like that is also kind of a cool thing is like the people who get powers, do they grow up with it or is it thrust upon them? It might also be their parents had it thrust upon them and now they have to deal with that. So I think that that's very interesting as well. And so the inciting incident could have happened in 2018 or could have happened in 1980. Yeah, yeah I like that a lot because it's, it's interesting to me that like, you know, maybe as capitalism also evolves, like they might take advantage of these powers as well. Like you might see advertisements for like superhero charged burgers at McDonald's, <laughs> right. you know, like something silly like that. Yeah. I think I really dig the uh, like second generation of people with powers. Yeah. If that's where we're going to place our characters in. Yeah. An idea that I had as we were just kind of kicking around this contemporary setting was like, wouldn't it be cool if something happened and it impacted just your apartment building or just your block? Yeah. And it happened when everybody was kids and now we're all 30. And like, for some reason, we are called back home or we come back home or like something happens where like our identities are revealed or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. But it's enough time that maybe you have it has nothing to do with your life as an adult. And now you're kind of like forced to come back and be in touch with these people. I was thinking about like, I want to play a character that's like the opposite of Inara. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of those things is like being really close to people who have known you for a long time. And so that was kind of like exactly what we're talking about. Like there's some amount of like decades that have happened between Sighting Incident and now, but I would be down to explore second generation powers as well. Cause man, yeah. my parents and I have different ideas about everything. Yeah. And I can definitely <laughs> see <laughs> like if our parents or our parents' generation dealt with something like this, like of course us Tumblr kids would like have a much different idea as to what is like appropriate or right or how to live with it or how to be open about it maybe. Yeah. The relationship dynamic between the parents and the kids would be very different because for us, the generation, it's like, well, this is just everyday life. Um, But for them, it was like a massive trauma. Mm. I do think Eric, I mean, it's up to you sort of like, I do think for plot reasons (laughs) or for like moving around the idea of sort of like an inciting incident that brings us back together is interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Sort of like, for a horrible example, like it too, <laughs> you know. Oh no! Um, no clowns in this campaign. Yeah, no clowns, please. Um, uh oh. I don't like the look that just happened oh, no. in your eyes. All around there. me are familiar faces. <laughs> so I guess this is where I want to lay out some ideas that I came up with, and I want to hear y'all react to it. So let's talk about the inciting incident. We did talk about. Let's talk about the generational one. Let's say it's like 1981. Lots of people go from New York City to a very small upstate town. Amanda and I just went to Lake Placid. So, like, let's talk about something in that area of the Adirondacks. Mm -hmm. Four, five, six hours north of New York City, north of Albany. And that's important because Albany, for all of you who don't know, capital of New York State, the whole point is that Albany was supposed to be, like, a smaller city, and New York City was not the capital of New York State for reasons. So let's say that you go summering in this town that's, like, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 people max, right? Maybe all of your families do this together, and that's how you all know each other, friends as kids. Again, this can change just an idea for how maybe your characters want to relate to each other. So you all go summering together, right? As you're all in your respective cabins, and it's this kind of like small neighborhood where people rent summer homes, maybe it's around a lake, whatever. In one of the cabins, there is a mad scientist. 
Of course, we, obviously. <laughs> but people don't know he's a mad scientist. He is messing around with something in his basement. Uh, don't worry, I do have Wikipedia pages open of uh, water supply terrorism and list of food contamination incidents. Oh, no. Because whatever he's messing around with gets into the water supply, the food supply, maybe the lake, honestly. And the, the adults and the children play in that lake. They eat the food. But I think that's also like the effects of what happens when there is a mass like food poisoning and maybe they get it's radiation we can make up gamma yeah. rays whatever the fuck we want to call it tachyons that's yet, a thing right I love tachyons it's <laughs> my shit and yet darker there are lots of examples of like war crimes and also industrial pollution where it affects children because developmentally like it just impacts you more than the adults who are living there so mm-hmm. that could also right. be a kind of like lever we can adjust on how much maybe the adults are all just Ooh, like I really like healthy that. and live for a long time you yeah. know? And, oh like, that's so good and the kids are the ones who develop something that we would think of as superpowers <gasps> oh yeah. fuck you're parents are just like super healthy and they assume that everyone is just super healthy but instead you have superpowers that's fucking insane yeah. <laughs> wait but then that would mean that the powers are secret this is still 1981 so yeah. the thing happens and the energy whatever the radio the poisoning is but the other thing that oh, like within that next year they feel really super healthy yeah and then yeah the or relation. the next decades that like everyone is just really healthy it doesn't right. occur to anyone to question it because what you see around you is just like what life is just like i guess we're just lucky also through the 80s too so right, this could right. or we can move this and it could be like eight late 80s early 90s but you're also looking at generationally too like the teenagers might get powers before like the three and four year olds you know what i mean yeah, like yeah people so. you can definitely have uh, older siblings and whatever so yeah. keep that open mind i do like having the parents have some some form of power though to give the world a stepping off block to like yeah. oh e- this exists yeah even if it's like minor stuff like enhanced agility and yeah stuff right like that. Oh, for and sure. then meanwhile their kids or are memory like fireballs yeah, yeah i like you know? that That's and good. i i really love this idea of of like your parents telling you what is proper and again mm. like we may be verging for individuals about what happens in our own lives but this idea of just like a morality of like this is how you use this thing. Like maybe you're not supposed to put your abilities to use for personal gain because it's just like a lucky thing we all have. And so if somebody decides to like go be a champion runner and everyone in their hometown knows it's because they were like a child of the lake, you know, maybe their parents aren't super into that. Can I pitch you a very similar idea? Yeah, give me, hit me. So there was a rocket scientist named Jack Parsons. Has mm-hmm. anyone read or heard about his story? At yeah, all? He, there's a great um, biography a about him called like Sex Rocket Ships and yes. something else. I'm, oh. I'm in the middle of that right now. Brandon, why didn't you lead with Sex Rocket Ships? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's it's. What is it called? I have something on it's Angel. Like, it's, anyway, it's called Sex Rocket Ships. <laughs> oh, I'm no, Julia, don't look it up. It's to, called though. Sex Rocket Ships. <laughs> no, what it's is? like Sex Rocket Ships, like Sex comma Rocket Ships and. Another thing. Like sex, Um, drugs, rock and roll? Yeah, basically. Sex, drugs, and rocket ships. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, it's pretty close to what it actually is. That's my wedding theme. (laughs) Um, So the story of Jack Parsons is really interesting. So he was a a rocket. um, Back before rockets were actually a thing, people were like, rockets are never going to work. It's like science fiction. What is it, Julia? literally called sex and rockets. Yay! Yay! Sex, rockets. The occult world of Jack Parsons. Oh, I'm reading Strange Angel. That's oh, what okay. I was reading. Gotcha. I'm reading or the also cool known like, there's no sex rockets in this book. Also known as Strange Angel. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so Jack Parsons was this, was this rocket engineer before rockets were a thing. No one really thought that, en- that rockets were going to be a thing. It was sort of sci-fi. Um, so he was like literally in his backyard in a shack, essentially, in Pasadena. And he was working on rocket fuels. And his jack exploded. And that's how he died, essentially. Okay. But I like this idea that, like, yeah, like a mad scientist, but something slightly more grounded, like someone working on 
a rocket or a military technology that then maybe exploded into the air. And maybe the children were swimming in the lake at the time so that they got washed off. But the parents were at a picnic or something. So the debris sort of fell within them. Interesting. And sort of like polluting something. Because I don't want to destroy the world in our campaign. <laughs> right. Well, it's not. Th- this is what I, I'm talking about because I had to say mad scientist. And I think this is related to what you're talking about rockets is that he's trying to make energy the way that the Tesseract also is like a perpetual motion machine. Mm-hmm. I think it's also related to that because I do think that there needs to be some sort of pollution here. And I think that what we were talking about, or that adult contamination did... and not a pollution, like yeah. maybe yeah. it's like expanded solar cells and he's like, it is contamination them oh. on the bonfire that mm-hmm. all the adults are around. Cause the kids are in bed and then there's like particulates or a, a radiation wave or something. I like that a lot. So here's what happens is that he actually did it. He figured out a cleaner, newer energy source because as for people who are reading or know about Watchmen, Dr. Manhattan pushed this alternate United States into a new like scientific age because the energy that he created, whatever his radiation thing, like powered watches. And that was my favorite thing in the new Watchmen that like yeah. you could see the blue watches that he made. So I like that. So now the tiny town grows because they have the energy. It then grows to a city and that city then takes the seat of power of New York State from Albany and it becomes the new city because that. New York State is pushing into the the future. And of course like now we can build a city from scratch. Yeah. What does it look like when you start a city in 1985? Yeah. And yeah. I'm super excited about all of that. We can also like make it like the quiet year, the way that we establish that stuff. We could just do a whole city building day if we really want to. Uh, the only thing that I really want to keep, and, you know, in New York City, when you're uh, walking through, I think uh, the East Village is, uh, is the closest thing. And you see those townhouses that are only like two feet tall. <laughs> I like I fa- I've so fallen in love with that because it's a relic of New York City that New York City has decided to keep. And it's historical. So what if like the, the neighborhood that you all live in of just the cabins is like in Central Park and it's the historical district and like the people who lived there as like reparations for EPA pollution, contamination, whatever, has a preserved neighborhood and everyone who has went there and got hurt can still live there if they want to. Yeah. I love that. I really, really like that. And I also love having like a neighborhood inside of, and this is how I feel about Greenpoint, having a neighborhood inside of the city. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's also, again, like interesting themes that we could play with. Like I see a lot of kind of motivations for NPCs we might meet. Like what is proper? Like what is defending our life? What is embracing modernity? What what does it mean to live in the city in 2020 as opposed to what it did in 1980? Yeah. I yeah. also love that we're setting like our inciting incident in the 80s because my college like thesis was on environmental apocalypticism during the 80s mm-hmm. and so like this is just like everything coming to its peak and like the different religious movements that kind of came out of it is like oh we have to be the earth's keeper because yeah. you know god entrusted us to I mean, god entrusted it to us like we're not that. the oneida silver company but we're not not the oneida silver company yeah. in terms of a city profiting from a cover story oh do you know what this is brandon oh can i oh please julia basically oneida was a cult that was formed in oneida new york which is an upstate area and it was named after the Native Americans that lived in the area and it was started as a cult basically to create heaven on earth and they were so many do and they were going to do that by um, basically 
creating a system that he based off of like reading Genesis where like he created marriages and only certain people could have sex and it's basically it's super eugenics. eugenics yeah super oh, eugenics super bad yeah. but yeah. he the, could he could have sex with whatever people he wanted of whatever age of course yeah but, isn't that the benefits of the C suite oh, no. <laughs> but one of the uh, one of the things that they would do in order to make money for the cult because they're a cult and they need money in order to survive because no one can have real jobs is they uh, created a silver company so like silverware anything any like plates and you know mugs and whatnot and still exists to this day because when yeah. he died his son was like I don't know about this cult stuff but the silver's great and then they just still make <laughs> silver <laughs> yeah. it's like you can buy Oneida silver it's a company that yeah. is amazing yeah like oh, talk about totally... head hard gut all these fucking frivolous forks out here <laughs> enforcing class consciousness yeah no it, exactly yeah no I'm, I love that I, there would definitely be some sort of environmental cult in the city has to be. Yeah. Ooh, heck yes. I think that maybe they dig a, a canal and the lake becomes a port city because it's that important or something. Ooh, those I've, great lakes ports. I think that is interesting, especially if like, depending on how big the lake is and yeah. then it becomes like the push and pull of historical things. But if you improve on upon the historical thing, do you still hold that? I do like putting a fucking, <laughs> like it becomes a canal all the way to the Hudson River yeah. to yeah. make it into, to justify the, the fact that it's a city. Yeah. And then you like make a river. Like you extend the Champlain River down the Vermont, New York, Massachusetts yeah. border. Mm. Hell yeah. I'm just writing canal on big <laughs> I'm going to do a bunch of research into the Erie Canal. It's going to be sick. Oh, Amanda's favorite thing. I really love canals. Uh, and my thesis was on agricultural reactionism, like people after the recession quitting their or losing their jobs and then deciding to like become farmers when they were not generationally agricultural producers. Um, and I think there's a, a real kind of, again, like reaction against things that you disagree with in the world and trying to like find meaning and purpose in like connecting with the land somehow. So I see a lot of ways in which, depending on the, if it's energy, if it's, you know, clean, like whatever else um, the technology was, there is it may be a real sense of like utopia and this is the way forward and like we are a model city but there may well be all kinds of issues under the surface that people aren't seeing in the like capital D discourse about the city. I like that. I like that too. Just for nitpicking sake, I think we might need to move this towards the 90s so that everyone can be like 30 just because I think that's interesting and being millennial like right in the target of millennial is very interesting for all the things we're talking about but i do want to use everything julia that you're talking about and just like move it forward like six years to do it up there could also be something if you do want to do the 80s there got to be something about like the only tell of a power is that you age slightly slower than everyone else so by the time you're 40 you look 35 so it's not really a tell but by the time you're 80 you're like oh that person definitely had powers oh that's my superpower (laughs) <laughs> Everyone tells me I look 17. Yeah. I guess that would be very uh, noticeable for the parents' generation versus, yeah. you know, there's not much difference between a 30-year-old that looks 30 versus, like, 25. I kind of like the idea that your parents are 60 and look 35 and you are 29 and you look 27 yeah. because like you have other powers that went into the different way yeah. so, your like, sister oh god yeah exactly god, so Mom. yeah and that becomes like the whole thing yeah. I also like like the 90s more and I have more cultural understanding of the 90s sure. than I do the 80s yeah some of the other fun things I was thinking about would just like I think the wealth gap would be huge in that town yes. yeah mm-hmm. um, and then something just thinking about my childhood like the historic district might become one of those like Things where young teens or like preteens be like, oh, do you want to go like explore the haunted area, like the legend of the town? And, like, Ooh, that's cool. You know, um, so like annoying teens are always trying to break into your house or something. 
Yeah. I mean, or maybe it becomes a kind of like Gramercy Park enclave. And I'm sorry for those who don't live in New York, but that's where we all are. But it's like a park that's literally fenced off and you only have a key to it if you live in some of the multi-million dollar brownstones that like ring the park. So I think it's everything from like, oh, this is a like colonial village that, you know, it's kind of preserved and people can walk around and it's like a park and it's like a public resource now, even though it used to be my home or all the way to like maybe it's literally fenced off or cordoned off or a park or a canal around it from the rest of the city. And it's some kind of like, you know, this is an area that people only who live there have the right to be. And so then it picks up a mythos. They get one model house. Yeah. The rest of them are occupied, but they get the one model for school tours and stuff. Yeah. 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 It's very There was a a mansion that burned down in my hometown that... uh, Very good. Yeah. And it was like a a weird, like um, a really weird, like reclusive family. Um, And so when it burned down, they sort of had like a small graveyard that they built. It was about in the middle of nowhere. It's Texas. So it's like... It's really weird, but then they built later. They built a college like down the block, so like kids would go and try to like oh, explore yeah. the cemetery. Obviously. But like it's on the college campus, so it's like, hey, can y'all not? <laughs> like we're trying to study math. <laughs> I do love that. That is like there's an NYU in the city, and it's just like it's like one of the welcome week activities. Like let's go explore the historic district. <laughs> it's the eighteen year olds are just like walking by your parents' house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I also think it's really interesting to think about the small government town and yeah. how they're going to be suddenly right. thrust into the global spotlight. Yeah. Um, I don't know what that is there, but I think that's interesting. As Also, I did want to move the seat of state power to there because we're going from Albany there. So there's the mayor. I don't even know anything about the mayor of Albany, exactly. but I always think that it's interesting. State politics is so interesting to me, especially as New York City, as we relate to the rest of the state. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that any one of... Uh, everyone else out there who live in an urban center that is not the capital of your state, how everyone talks about your city everywhere else in the state and like the distribution of budget and all that stuff. So I find that really interesting, especially as like the push and pull of is this the Gotham to New York City's metropolis? Because Gotham is just like Newark. So like, what if that was interesting, but they were also six hours away, but it matters less when you have powers. I don't know. I find that super interesting. I do too. Like how would the mayor of New York City treat this newfangled guy from the backwater. You Probably know? with distaste and hostility, Brandon, <laughs> if the past is anything to go by. <laughs> well, oh, man. I think that's a fun part of kind of traditional superheroes and comics is the sort of idea that we are like city of the future. Mm-hmm. And to try to figure out what a version of that would look like now is really fascinating to me. Like there would definitely be wealth inequality. And to look at a city and say like, hey, you have like a precious like gift and resource and how are you going to use it to enrich everybody and not just the few who kind of own the property literally or like intellectually of it. Like, do you embrace that? Do you truly become like a, a socialist and like equal city? Or do you kind of repeat some of the mistakes of the past? I love that. Mm-hmm. I think I have a lot to work on, and I think this is great. I do, as we have some time here, uh, I want to talk about the relationships of your characters. You don't have to say anything like about yourself, but you, you can if you want. But I think that the reason why you all know each other is that you are childhood friends yeah. or your family friends in this way. It depends how the inciting incident goes. If, if we want this to happen in the 80s when you're a, the adults are in their 20s and like they're all friends from college and then later they have children and they're the ones who have powers so like that might be the difference but it's like either you knew each other and were like kids below 10 when the incident happened or your family friends because your parents are bonded in this way right i think there might be something interesting also relating to the world of like if you were born in this center 
that's why you get to live in this historic district. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. I think that there is a government act that has put the historic district together and has distributed safely the energy created by the rocket scientist, mad scientist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then like if you are a child that then moves to Minneapolis and has a child, you're giving up your birthright, which is yes, interesting. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Uh, I like the idea personally of our parents being good friends and us as children, you know how your children, you sort of be forced together because yeah. that gives us some little bit of push and pull of like, yeah. oh yeah, I do remember from childhood, but there might have a reason for why we didn't really keep super connected mm-hmm. throughout our lives. I, I like the idea of, in particular, just from my personal experiences, like when your family are friends and then they have an older sibling and that older sibling just does not want to talk to you because you're yeah. four <laughs> years younger than them mm-hmm. and oh my yeah. God, how embarrassing. That's very good. No, me too. And um, I think that gives us a lot of kind of agency with our individual characters as well. Um, I think we can kind of decide what we want it to be. Like maybe it is, you know, either you are in or out and someone might have chosen to leave and then come back and things are a lot different. And the thing that they thought they gave up is a lot more valuable than they realized. Or maybe it's like, hey, everyone who owned this property or this timeshare or was here this summer counts. And then you can kind of like come back and decide to like pick up that legacy or not. Mm -hmm. Um, But like if someone wanted to totally embrace it, if they wanted to be a townie or if they wanted to like go away and and not, I want all of us to be able to make that decision for ourselves. I like the idea of some of us have stayed and some of us have tried to leave, but something like pulls us back. It's a good kind of inciting incident. A hundred percent. I really like that. I think that's I think that's really cool. I do like now we can make this in the 80s and we can use that stuff if the parents like three of them were college friends and then they all had their partners and they all summered together in this place. I also love the idea if they were in their 20s and they were all living in New York City in the 80s and now they're forced to move their fucking lives because they had they're like infected. It started out as a quarantine and now it's a historic district. I love that. Like one of your fucking parents needs to be a sculptor. Just like choose which one of you. I'm making it happen. And like they had to leave their shit from New York City and they had to stay in this town that became a burgeoning city and like lost their dreams. And now they're like a government worker. I love that because then you have the push and pull of like, well, I'm only here because I this is the only option. But then the child right. wants to embrace their legacy or not. Yeah. That's interesting. Right. I will say as we wrap this thing up, I am making uh, sports teams in this city. I will hope that one of you engages with it, please. Yes. Just so you know. I want to buy the merch. I will I will make you a jersey of whatever team you decide. Oh, please. <laughs> please. I didn't even think of that. We're going to have a basketball team and a hockey team. So pick which one. You're going to get a basketball team. Hell yes. fucking yes. I'll get yes. the hockey jersey and we can match it. Yes, yes, yes. It's the only reason why I'm doing this. <laughs> But yeah, please, I, I will tell you everything you need to know. Amanda, you're into hockey now. Can you I be am. into hockey? Yeah, I saw one Predators game and their mascot's a catfish. And now <laughs> now I just, I love everything. Wait, it's I'm sorry. Wonderful. The Predators mascot is a catfish. They're pre- unofficial mascot. It's, oh, a, catfish. it's a saber-toothed tiger, yes. but they have, a thing, cute. they have so, a thing where they throw catfish Right, when right, they right, score, right. Mm-hmm. similar to how the Red Wings throw octop- octopuses. Oh, do you know how I found this Actu- out? Wait, actual? That's, that is a tradition. Because like actual is... octopuses? In in Detroit, they throw octopuses. Like on... raw? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is such a waste of food. That and is. Also, also hard to get in Detroit. I know. And, and also expensive. expensive. Hard Not to get off the ice. Oh. And hard to sneak through security. Yes. Did someone freeze it, stick it under their shirt with duct tape, and then bring it into the arena to throw? Obviously. Yes, they did. That happened recently, and that one was in Nashville, and it was a catfish. I learned this because whenever the press score there's a video of tim mcgraw throwing a stuffed catfish into the audience and i'm like and saying i like it i love it i want some more of it yeah it's amazing hockey is very good eric to make my world better i do want poutine 
like Amanda mm-hmm. said. Mm-hmm. That's that would just make me joyful. Yeah, that's I fair. think that will be really close. Oh, that's a really interesting thing. It's going to be very close to some Canadian cities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be the biggest city other than Toronto in that area. Yeah. yeah. So that's actually really interesting. Very Currently, cool. if you're in the Adirondacks, you drive to Plattsburgh for the mall. <gasps> so... That's what we're dealing with here. <laughs> All right. We're going to get into the D&D stuff next, but uh, we're still pre-gaming, guys, so keep the R&B or not R&B on because we're, uh, we're not going to the party yet. Pass the Cheeto puffs. Get the something. fireball out. Eat something. Fill One shot tongue. of fireball. We're excited. Ooh, no. <laughs> have dinner first. <laughs> Okay, we're all, we're all going to have dinner, then we're going to take a shot, and then we're going to chill, and then we're going to talk about D&D. Yay. Can, we, can we eat octopus? I mean, if you want. That's <laughs> up to you. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Well, actually, stay here because it's here a party. Stay here because we're pre-gaming. Yeah, we're, we're pre-gaming. Continuing, and then we're going to go. Okay. All right. Bye.